I worked as a police officer in a small town in rural Nebraska. Back in the 90s, I was patrolling through town in the winter. We had several abandoned houses in town, but one seemed to have the attraction of copper thieves, so we were told to keep an eye on it. I drove by it around 7 p.m., and since it sat on a corner lot, I had a clear view of all four sides of the house. As I drove around the corner, nothing looks out of the ordinary. About two hours later, I drive by again, and the back door is wide open. I know that the back door was not open when I drove by it earlier. Looking at the snow on the ground around the house, there were no footprints. So I thought what the hell? Call dispatch, tell them I'm investigating an open door at that address, and ask for a county sheriff to start my way. I walk to the open door, pull out my flashlight, and shine it inside. The house has obviously been gutted for the most part. The plaster walls have been torn down. Debris piles up everywhere. Since there were no footprints in the snow around the door other than mine, and with all the dust on the floor not showing any footprints, I chalked it up to the wind, or maybe the door just opened on its own. I was about to secure the door when I heard a loud thump come from upstairs and what sounded like kids laughing. So I entered the house and yelled out, Police department, come downstairs. More of what sounds like kids playing. I tell dispatch that it sounds like there are kids in the house and start making my way through the kitchen into the living room where the stairs are. All the while cautiously checking the main floor. I hear something upstairs two more times, but since I've had no response, I start thinking maybe it's an animal. Still, I hear what I'd swear was kids laughing. I head upstairs and it all gets quiet. The upstairs is relatively small, with a hallway at the top of the stairs that has one bedroom on the right, one straight ahead at the end of the hall, and one on the left. As I get to the top of the stairs, I hear a thump in the bedroom to my left. I carefully peek around the door and it's an empty room with a small pile of plaster and wood debris in the middle. No kidding, sitting on top of the pile of debris was a page torn out of a child's book with a picture of a police officer on it. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I got out of that room, quickly cleared the other rooms upstairs and got the F out of there. Told dispatch nobody was in the house, locked the back door and never went back in there again. A local reporter named Bob D. would always show up at any major police activity from the police scanner. Big car wrecks, fires, anything worth reporting in the local paper. Everybody on the force knew Bob D. He was around at least once or twice a week at various police activities. Bob was a bit of a joker himself. He would mess with people by flicking behind their ears. People would react to the flicks, thinking it was a bug, only to turn around and see it was Bob jerking around. Everybody liked Bob. Unfortunately, Bob had bad lung cancer and died pretty suddenly. His wife buried him, against his wishes, he wanted to be cremated, for the next couple of weeks, after his funeral, people kept talking about seeing Bob at car wrecks, 
fires, all the same stuff he used to report on. There were 20 to 30 reports like this from civilians and members of the force. My uncle didn't buy it. Until the night he and my aunt arrived at our door, gun drawn and as pale as paper. We asked him what the hell happened, and he had to sit down, take his breath, compose himself, and start to outline what happened. Note, this is a guy that I never saw get rattled by anything. He said, my aunt, and he were sitting on the couch in their house watching TV. My uncle kept scratching at his ear, over and over. Finally, my aunt asked him what the problem was, and he turned around just in time to see their bedroom door open. Bob D was standing there in the doorway. Clear as day. My uncle jumped up, cussed or something, and got my aunt's attention, who turned to see him there too. As soon as they both made eye contact with him, Bob smiled, turned, walked across the living room and out their front door. He closed the door behind him and was gone. My uncle got control of himself and ran outside. Gunner went looking for Bob, but he was gone. At that point, they ran over to our place. We went over there and didn't see anything, but my aunt and uncle stayed at our place that night. At work the next day, all the guys on the force were giving my uncle lots of we told you so. People around town said they saw Bob D show up at police scenes for at least another two-thirds months. My dad saw him in our darkroom in our basement with a friend. He was flicking their ears in the dark. During the third month, people that saw him kept saying he was looking worse and worse. My uncle saw him two more times each time confirming that he was looking more and more worn. My dad had concluded that he was decomposing and his ghost was reflecting that process. Every time my ear itches, I get goosebumps. It's not my call, but my dad served for 25 years. One night, he gets a call from a woman who says her neighbor has made a pact with the devil. The woman calling is about 35 and a religious wacko. The neighbor called was about 75 at the time. My dad went over and knocked on the door, and the old lady answered, all happy, nice place decorated the same way for the past 50 years. She invites my dad in without even asking why he came, makes him some coffee, and asks how his day was. Naturally, at this point, my dad was wondering what the heck the call was about, but it came clear soon. At some point, my dad realizes he isn't the only person she is talking to, and that she thinks her apartment is full of people. My dad thanks her for the coffee, and she tells him to come back anytime. The whole time she was talking, he was writing down the names of the people she was talking to, and doing some research on her when he got back. It turns out she was talking to family members who were all dead. She had a daughter, three sons, a brother and a husband. All were dead, and she had no family or friends. She hadn't spoken to another person in years. Her groceries were delivered, and she rarely left her apartment. Over the next 19 years, my dad took care of her. 
My sister and I came over all the time and just sat and talked with her. She even taught me how to cook. Over the years, she stabilized and stopped talking to her deceased relatives. She just needed people to live with. She actually lived till she was 94 and died in the guest room of my parents' house since it had become harder to take care of her from a distance as she got closer to the end. She was like a grandma to us. My dad was a cop for 32 years. This was one of his craziest calls. A call goes out for reported screaming. It's mid-January, important later. My father and another office respond to find a known deranged individual, very long rap sheet and has been in and out of psychiatric care for years, sitting on the front porch holding a double-sided wood splitting axe. Steam is coming up off the grass and there are chunks lying all over the lawn. Upon interviewing the suspect, he admitted that he and a friend were playing poker. The suspect was losing nearly every hand and came to the conclusion that his friend was a haint, southern for ghost, and was cheating him. The suspect grabbed the axe and chased his friend outside and hacked him into dozens of pieces, thus causing the warm blood to create steam on the grass. My dad tells the suspect that he needs to get in the police car because it's haint proof. He said the suspect dropped the axe and sprinted to get in the back seat while thanking them for helping him. I'm a police officer. I was called to a residence out in the boonies. This was in Wyoming, so the boonies are really the boonies. At about 11 p.m. about suspicious activity. When we get there, we are told by the family living there that there are very strange screams coming from a creek area about 1,000 feet away. And sure enough, waiting outside on the porch with them for about a minute, I heard it. It is very hard to describe what it sounded like. It was like a woman in very severe distress, but higher pitched, and each scream lasted for about 15 seconds. It never sounded like it was saying anything. It just sounded like a cry of sheer terror. And it happened again. We tell the family we are going to investigate, so we just walk down to the creek since it was nice out. We hear about two more screams, getting louder as we approach the creek. By now, we're both kind of freaked out. There are two possibilities. Someone is getting murdered slash maimed in the creek bed, or it's a wild animal. As we approach the creek bed, we hear no screams for about five minutes. We search around and find nothing, yelling at the top of our lungs for somebody to come towards us if they are there. Then, we hear the exact same scream behind us, exactly from where we came from. We get about halfway back to the house, and the scream comes so loudly it seems to be right next to us. We frantically shine our flashlights everywhere and find nothing. No eye glints of animals. No rustling of bushes. Just silence. We trace our steps back, and the scream comes from around the creek again. This time, it lasted about 30 seconds and was much louder than before. Our retreat becomes a little more hastened. By this time, we were both scared shitless and verified with the family to call us again if they heard it. They never called again, 
and we got the hell out of there. I still don't know what it was. As an avid outdoorsman, I know no animal makes a cry like that, especially one that can move stealthily without being spotted by flashlights. Something else that weirded me out was that it was completely silent while the screams were happening. During summer in Wyoming, there is always some type of ambient animal sound. Frogs croaking, crickets chirping, owls hooting, coyotes howling, etc. But there was nothing. Until we were leaving and the screams had stopped. Then a frog started croaking. It gives me the creeps just thinking about it still. Back when I was working as a cop on a military base, I loved working the night shift. I didn't deal with 99% of the BS that day shift dealt with and what little stuff we did deal with was usually really interesting. Well, most every building on a base is alarmed, and the alarms are tied right into the desk, so we know the instant they go off. When we get an alarm activation, we close the base and go check the building. We pull on all the doors to see if we can get in. If we can, we go into the building and secure it, checking all the doors and corners to see if someone set the alarm off. Well, one night I was on patrol with my alpha partner, and we got called to respond to an alarm activation at the elementary school. So we go, secure the building, and call in that the building is all secure. No problem. Keep patrolling. So about 15 to 20 minutes go by and we get another alarm activation. We get back out there and check, and now there is a maintenance door open that leads into a boiler roomish thing. Nothing in it, so we close it, lock it, and get out. Another 20 minutes, and another alarm. We Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So, for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Respond. All the doors are still locked and we can't get in. The maintenance door is locked. Call it the all clear. This time, my buddy and I sit on opposite sides of the school and watch to see if someone is coming and yanking the doors really hard to set the alarm off. We sit there and watch. Nothing happens, and right as we're about to leave, another alarm goes off. We informed the desk that we'd like the building manager on site to help us secure the interior and let us in. This is now like 3 a.m. The building custodian shows up and we start doing a walkthrough, 
checking all the classrooms and all the maintenance rooms. And that's when we see one of the maintenance doors open with the lights on in the room. Now, this room is literally the size of a closet. We walk down there and look in. No one is in it and that door is locked when it closes. We looked inside and discovered a single footprint of a small child's bare foot made of water, left foot, to be specific. The living hell out of us because no one reported a missing child and the entire building was clear and still locked up. We checked every inch of that damn place, literally a three hour deep sweep, including ceiling tiles, and no one left or entered dot the ever loving crap out of us. And to this day, my partner refuses to go into that school. Speaking of which, schools are really spooky when they're empty. A police officer is present. One evening about eight years ago, it was pouring outside and we got a call from an elderly woman, seems to be a common theme in this thread. She called in and said that she was hearing footsteps in her house and she thought there was a ghost inside because she regularly heard the sound of someone walking upstairs, but she lived alone. We went just to check it out and make sure that everything was okay. She stayed on the line with the 911 operator because she was frightened. About three minutes after she initially called in, she said that there was actually a man standing outside in her backyard, staring at her through her sliding glass door. Petrified, the woman froze in that spot and continued to stare directly at the man. For the next minute or two, she said that he was just standing there, still as could be, staring at her. Eventually, the man slunk off out of sight. When we arrived, about 12 minutes after the first call came in, we went to the front door. I stayed in the foyer with the woman and the other officer while I went to the backyard to see if the man was still there or if there were any traces of him. I spoke with her for a few minutes until the other officer returned. He said there was no trace of anyone having been in the backyard. We set off to do a quick sweep before we left to make sure the house was all clear. In her living room, the room that has the sliding glass door, we discovered a trail of mud and footprints inside the house. I asked the woman if she had been outside at all that day or if anyone had been over to visit her. She said no, that she lived alone, and that no one had come by to visit. The woman was very old, probably around 85 and had very poor eyesight and was hard of hearing, as elderly people tend to be. The woman obviously saw the man's reflection and mistakenly thought he was in front of her, on the other side of the glass, in her backyard. In reality, he had been standing only a few feet behind her in the same room while she had been talking to 911. Nothing was stolen, broken, or out of place, so we don't know what his intentions were. Who knows what would have happened had she not stayed on the line with the operator. I know it sounds like something out of a campfire story, but it was honestly one of the most unnerving and creepy experiences I have had while on duty. My grandpa was a police officer back in the day. He worked on murder cases and did detective work in his later career. But this late night, he was responding to a call of suspected shots fired at an old abandoned house. 
My grandpa tells the story something like this. He and his partner were the closest to the house of everyone who received the dispatch call. So they made it there first. When they reached the house, they found the gate through the backyard forced open. So they followed through. They had fired, so they had their weapons drawn. As they approached the house, there was one unarmed man attempting to enter the house, which was locked. The man fled while my grandfather's partner chased after him. Here's the creepy part. My grandpa looked through the window of the house, thinking that maybe that guy was trying to get to someone on the inside. When he looks in, he vaguely sees someone standing and looking directly at him. My grandpa raises his pistol and says, Police, don't move. Simultaneously, the man inside appeared to also raise his pistol. My grandpa says, Now, I have never had someone draw his weapon on me. And I began to think, what if I don't shoot before he does? And the adrenaline was pumping. So, he says, drop the weapon or I'll be forced to shoot. The man stays still. Ridiculously still. My grandpa takes cover on the right side of the window and radios in for his partner, who has lost the man on foot. Before his partner returned, he popped back out from the right to try to advance, expecting the man to have gone away and found a place to hide. So, with his weapon drawn, he jumps out and looks inside. But when he looks into the window with his weapon drawn, there he is, still hazy and dark, and pointing his weapon directly at him. It's silent for what seems like forever. My grandpa shouts again, drop the weapon and get down on the ground. With adrenaline pumping, my grandpa says that at this point he began to believe it was a ghost because of how still it was. Then, he sees that the assailant is wearing a badge. This freaked me out, he said. Had my partner made it inside and was playing with me? Was this man impersonating an officer? Once more, he said, drop your weapon and get on the ground. And motioned with his pistol. The ghost man also motioned with his pistol. And at this point in the story, my grandpa says it best. It was a cotton picking mirror. I got myself worked up over my own damn reflection. And that's the story of how my grandpa almost crapped himself over his own reflection. I'm a Florida police officer. I had an older lady call and say she was trapped in her house. When I arrived, I observed a white powder poured out in a half circle in front of her door. I knocked. She spoke through a nearby window. She explained that a voodoo priest had put a hex on her and trapped her in the house. She claimed that if she crossed over the powder, her back would break. I told her to sit on her couch and wait. I would be back soon. I went to a store where I knew the clerk. I borrowed a bucket and a broom. Returning to the lady's house, I filled the bucket from a garden hose. While saying the Lord's Prayer loud enough for her to hear inside, she swept and rinsed the powder away. I then told her it was safe. She opened the door and asked what I had done. I told her I had gone to a church for holy water and had a priest bless the broom. She was so happy, she hugged me for a long time. 
I got the name and location of the voodoo priest from her. I was able to find him later in my shift. I got in his face and told him if he bothered that lady again I'd kick his ass and take him to jail. We will not allow harassment, scamming, or preying on the elderly. My dad spent his whole career as a copper, and is the stereotypical straightforward bloke with it who has little time for anything you might label as paranormal. That said, he describes one event from about 20 years ago that he can't explain. One late afternoon in autumn, he was patrolling with a colleague in Newbury, Berkshire, UK, when they were radioed and asked to check out reports of a fight on the rural outskirts of town. Apparently, sounds of an altercation had been heard coming from a field, of all places, and locals were concerned, but hadn't been able to describe or give any more info. When they got to the field in question, my dad and his colleague hopped the fence and headed inwards, not immediately seeing or hearing anything. It was gloomy and a little misty at ground level but apparently just about enough light was left in the day to see that there wasn't obviously anyone about. Apparently, they gave the field a sweep and were on their way back to the car when, as my dad describes it, suddenly all went mental. Shouting, screaming, and the sounds of an almighty fight completely surrounded him, even though he was standing in a field completely empty apart from his colleague. He says three things in particular stick with him. First, he wasn't scared shitless at the time, though he might say that. Second, the look on his colleagues' faces that basically said WTF, you're hearing this too, right? And finally, the sounds just stopped and they made their way back to the car and called in to say nothing was wrong. When pushed, he admits it felt like he was in the middle of something significant, and that he thinks he felt, not just heard, the fighting around him, and that, with hindsight, he was more frightened after the event than at the time. He would never describe this as paranormal himself, but to me this always sounded like a replay type event people talk about, and subsequently learning about the civil war history of the specific area in question backs this up, for me at least. I've not heard of other accounts of similar stories from the area, but I haven't looked that hard to be honest. My grandmother was a cop in Santa Maria in the late 70s and early 90s. A man calls in saying there is a 7-foot gray man at his door. She goes to check it out. The door is jammed. The man is screaming, and she hears a loud buzzard. She slams the door open and the buzz is gone, and so is the man. There's blood everywhere. She calls for backup and runs around and calls his name. She hears what sounds like someone yelling, but someone is covering their mouth. She finds him tied up with piss everywhere. Investigators say that he was in that room for at least four hours. A man lives alone in the middle of nowhere. He says he called the police five hours ago. Said that a cop was on their way. He reported seeing a seven-foot gray man with big eyes who did that to him. No footprints no trace of any kind of invasion. My grandmother lost four hours somehow. 
The guy ended up killing himself a few years later, leaving a note behind, warning my grandmother that they are after him, and thanking her for rescuing him. Crazy. My dad is a police officer, and he was called to an old castle-like house on the outskirts of town. The man who called was telling him about his daughter, who was acting strange. She was talking in a deep voice and speaking in swear words and high-level vocabularies, she was only 10 or so, and being all around creepy. My dad said, I think you need an exorcist, and left that house immediately. He's been a police officer for 12 years and he says that was the most scared he's been and he's seen people who have blown their brains out with a shotgun and people decapitated by a train. I was a 911 dispatcher for about 5 years after school. One night, I got a call from a lady at a residence in town. 911. What is your emergency? Is this the police? She breathed. She was freaking out. Heavy breathing, trembling voice Eve taken many calls like this, and from the sound of her voice, this was not going to be a routine call. I sat up straight and my heart started to pump faster. Yes, mom, what is your emergency? There's someone in my house, she trailed off very breathy and genuine but not loud and freaking out. Okay, are you located at, house address? Yes. I dispatched the cars to start heading over to the address, and I don't give a reason yet. Okay, do you know who this person is? Well, no, I don't. I think it's, it's, I know this sounds so crazy, but I think that there's a ghost in my house. She begins to sob and sound scared. There are noises, and I know there is a ghost in the other room right now. At this time, the sergeant asks me the reason for the call and why I sent him in the other two cars without explanation. Normally, you'd send one car to something like that. It's suspicious activity, I told him. What activity, he demanded over the radio, a fair question. Sir. The caller is claiming there is someone in the house and she believes it to be a ghost. Silence on the air for about a minute. 10 to 4 is all he said. By the time they got there, the ghost was gone and the poor lady was a freaked out mess, and she kept apologizing for calling us, but it was real, she kept repeating. The officers later told me that her sincerity actually freaked them out a lot and when they searched the house guns drawn even they were scared. We got a call about trespassers at an abandoned hospital during the daytime. There was on-site security who kept it secure even though it was shut down. They swore they heard footsteps and talking on the second floor over the past few days. They locked down the entire perimeter and called us out there. There was no way out. We went in there with six officers and started from the seventh floor and systematically checked every single room down to the bottom floor. There was no power, so we were lucky that it was still daylight and there were a lot of windows. It was an older hospital 
so they left old CRT monitors from the 1980s and 90s in there. It was pretty eerie and reminded me a lot of the first scenes of The Walking Dead. We cleared down from floors 7 to 5 with no problem. Once we hit the fourth floor, things started getting weird. This was the hospital's storage area. Instead of the big spacious rooms, it was super cramped with cinder block walls. There were chain link cages all over the place with old locks on them. It seriously looked like a horror movie prisoner area where they locked victims up. It was also pitch black. The hospital was so big that we worked in two man groups on each floor, but naturally split up as the floors opened up more. The third floor was a mental ward area, so the padded walls and pitch dark rooms started to get me a little nervous. The second floor was by far the worst, it was the surgery ward. There were no windows, again, it was pitch black, and there were large, eerie operating rooms all over. In the middle of some of the rooms were large metal slabs where they would operate on people. In my adjoining rooms, they had huge pegboards where they stored the surgery power tools. How did I know it was power tools? They had marked the outlines of various drills, saws, and other painful looking devices. It was kind of freaky thinking about how many people had died in those rooms when they couldn't save them. I was definitely nervous clearing those rooms solo in pitch black with only a flashlight. We eventually cleared every single room on every single floor. And found nothing. The security guards swore up and down that they always heard talking and footsteps down the halls. We pretty much swore off that place and said not to call us anymore. When I was in high school, before cell phones were common, my friends would come over to my house one night to pick me up. We had made plans at school for them to pick me up at 7 p.m. At 6, my parents said I had to come with them to do something, and I totally forgot to call my friends and tell them. They came to my house at 7 p.m. and called the house phone. No one answered. There were four of them in the car. They all told us the exact same story. They said that they were about to pull out of my driveway, but they saw someone peeking through the blinds from the bedroom on the top floor right. That was my room, so they assumed that I was messing around. Five more times, they said that someone would peek through the blinds, and a couple of them said they even saw the person's eyes. We got home at probably 7, 10, minus 7, 15, and they were still in our driveway. One of my friends came over and said they thought I was messing with them. Then they asked me, so, who's staying in your room? I told them that no one. So they asked, who is home at your house right now? Again, I told them, no one. Their stone cold faces then told me what they had seen repeatedly over the last 15 minutes. At first, we all thought there was a burglar in the house or something. So we called the cops. They came over and inspected the house. There were no signs of a break-in. Nothing had been touched or stolen. Our house had an alarm on it, so there is no way someone could have come into the house without setting off the alarm. My family, my friends, 
and the cop all kind of stood around for a few minutes, trying to make sense of the situation. My friends swore up and down, and still do, that they couldn't have imagined what they saw. All four of them saw the same things, and it wasn't particularly a dark night, so their eyes wouldn't be playing tricks on them. To this day, none of us can make sense of the situation. One of the nice things about working in small towns is the unique problems that you learn to solve. One such problem belonged to a sweet little old lady who lived in a big old mansion over in the old section of town. She had a, ahem, ghost infestation. Most of the time, this was alright, I think she liked the company, but once in a while the ghosts would get a wee bit rowdy. Thereupon, she'd call the SO, and one of us would be dispatched to take care of the situation. We'd show up, she'd let us into the huge old house, and the officer would go upstairs and read a stern warning to the ghosts. I found that if you took George C. Scott's speech from Patton, complete with pacing back and forth and gestures, and cleaned up the language a bit, the ghosts would normally be impressed enough to keep quiet for a week or two. Once you were done, You'd go back downstairs, where the lady would stuff you full of homemade cinnamon rolls and iced tea, and you'd swap gossip for a while. One day, the sheriff gets a bright idea. We'd take care of this situation once and for all. Plans are made. People are notified. We waited for the call. And on a Friday evening, she calls. Not only are the ghosts rowdy, it sounds like they're having a party. And, delivered in whispered tones, she thinks she heard some girl ghosts giggling up there, and this wasn't right. The call goes out. We look. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Put up our full-time officers, all four of them. We get our reserves, mostly security from a local federal facility. We don our ninja gear. We mount our trusty steed, reworked, Korea-era ambulance, and we sway and sputter and backfire and shudder and creak our way over hill and through dale. Once on location, a hasty whispered conference takes place. Who looks the least threatening? That would be yours. I truly had hysterics in the back. I go up, I knock on the door, I tell the little old lady that we're here to solve her problem and seat her on the porch swing with a blanket. Crash. 20 SWAT rhinos in full gear hit the door, clear the bottom floor tactically, flow down the stairs, and then the shouting starts. Hey you. Yes you. Out. One here. Out, out. Clear. Where do you think you're going? Out. Thus were our thoroughly scared and cowed, albeit invisible, subjects herded to the front lawn, where the sheriff was standing on the roof of the ambulance, excuse me, SWAT vehicle, delivering his patented fire and brimstone, straight path slash crooked path speech. Complete with finger pointing, arm waving, and emotional entreaties to what only an absolute cynic would consider an empty lawn. All of the neighbors, heck, most of the town, watched with bated breath, and promptly got out the lawn chairs, sodas, and snacks, effectively starting a block party small towns. Once we were done, and had allowed the thoroughly chastised and completely humbled spirits back upstairs, we sat in her kitchen, in black BDUs, rifles, shotguns, etc., eating cinnamon rolls and drinking iced tea. During this last part, the lady whispered to me that we had missed one. I never said I wasn't fast on my mental feet, I promptly whispered back that he was too young to be subjected to such a scary action. She examined him closely and declared that I was probably right. It took the ghosts almost three months to go back to their rowdy ways. My husband and I went to a state fair, and someone stole my battery out of my car, a 67 Valiant. The security were off-duty cops, and one worked part-time at a parts store. So they were pretty cool and took us to get a new battery after hours. On the way there, they told us the story of a lady who would call about aliens in her yard. They were laughing about how they tied a knot in her fridge cord and told her the way the currency crossed. An alarm would sound if any aliens came within 100 yards of her house. Said they never heard from her again. I wonder to this day whether or not the aliens got her since she was lured into a false sense of security. This is from a friend who used to work as a security guard. My friend is a night person, so he's used to night shifts. 
Well, anyways, one night he's working to guard a mansion, and at 2.22 a door access alarm goes off from the gym room. By usual protocol, he calls 911 and has the cops deal with it. The cops, two of them, meet with my friend and head to the gym room. A short while later, the cops start yelling at my friend how prank calls are a serious offense and he shouldn't waste their time. My friend, flabbergasted by the cops reaction, asks what's wrong, and one of the cops says that an old lady told them that she had been in the house for a long time. My friend does not understand what lady they're talking about since there's no one in that mansion. The owners left on a cruise for a month or so. They stop to stare at each other in silence and head inside the mansion. My friend swears to me it's true. They go inside, and right in the entry hall, you can see the painting of the old lady. The cop turns white and leaves. My friend, confused by what happened, just noped out of there the moment he finished his shift. Apparently, that was the painting of the current owner's great-grandmother. I was doing security at a hospital with an ER, ICU, surgical suite, the whole works, and I got called to several paranormal calls. Most were psych cases or paranoid people that heard a strange noise. This time, more than one nurse saw a guy on the camera who was on his deathbed, a guy who kept saying I will not die in a hospital earlier that day literally push his curtain aside and walk out of his room toward the elevator. A code was called and everyone immediately posted at their designated locations. Within seconds, there were people watching the elevators and stairs, and security started combing the area and investigating. As I reached the ICU floor, I spoke with the lead nurse, and she told me several of the nurses saw him leave. At that moment, Monitors started going off. The guy never left. The guy went code blue and died right then. There were three witnesses on the report that said he got up and left and were serious enough to call a code, which could have cost them their jobs if they were wrong. The bosses wouldn't let us watch the video, but the looks on their faces said it all. The bosses said the nurses did the right thing, and some things just can't be explained. The portion of the video I was allowed to see did show that nobody had left via elevator or stairs. Not a cop, but during a ride-along we were dispatched to this house for a domestic disturbance. We entered the house and found an elderly couple sitting on the couch. The woman immediately began to tell us that her husband had been walking through walls and bringing girls back to their house and fornicating, her words, on the kitchen floor. Clearly the woman was nuts, and her husband just sat there staring at us. I swear if he had cracked a smile, I would have lost it completely. The woman ended up being committed, and the man probably quit walking through the walls with his girls and instead uses the door now. A Navy Security Forces member here this will probably get buried, but oh well. I was on shift with a DOD police officer on the oldest Navy base we have in the States. 
We get a call about an alarm going off in a nearby office and it being midnight. We quickly get over there. When we get to the building, there are lights on in the second story. We try all the doors and they are locked. We try the windows locked. We look for any possible entryway and everything is sealed up tight. We called the building commander and they sent a guy to come and turn off the alarm and let us look around to make sure all is well. When he got there, his first statement to us was, alarm going off again. Damn it, I'm sick of that ghost messing with my days off. Apparently, everyone that works in that building has claimed there is a ghost that likes to move stuff around and cause the alarm to go off, and a check of the call log for the alarm activation showed that every time it went off, the building was locked up tight. I work for a manufacturing company and we used to work in an old building. I had heard many stories of weird things going on during the night shift but never thought much of it. It was a very creepy place, but I worked during the day and there was never a problem. Well, seven months ago we moved to a new location, for cheaper leasing, and we worked long days moving everything out. I drove our five ton while my manager helped load and unload. It was 8 p.m. on our last product delivery trip, and it was completely dark. There was no one else around except us two. The building is set up with an advanced alarm system. Every exit door is listed on a screen, and all doors beep loudly when opened. Now I start loading the last skids with the power jack at our receiving end while my boss uses our forklift to move product from a couple warehouse rooms over. When she drops off the skid and gets ready to wrap it, we hear the door beep. We looked at each other, wondering if it was our imaginations. We had been working for 13 hours, so it was a possibility, but she had a loud imagination. We had already seen three of the doors while there, so we knew they were secure, but decided to check out the electrical room's outer door since it's the only one we didn't pass by. We take a look, and sure enough, it's unlocked. The maintenance crew had been working in there during the day, and it's reasonable to assume they left it unlocked. But on the first trip back into the warehouse, all the lights on the far side, which are often unused, are all on. At that point, I started going nuts. I'm not one to believe in ghosts, but what if someone was in there? Well, we will just go about it as usual so we can get out of there. On the fourth day, she comes back and says all the lights are off again. And this is a wide open warehouse. All the racking was already down and moved, so there weren't many places to hide. As we powered through, just wanting to get the F out of there, the lights had all turned on again, but we kept going. The door goes off once more, but we already check them and know they are all locked. The tent skids in and the power jack randomly dies. That thing can last a week, but that I used a regular jack and got the rest loaded in. Now all we have to do is shut off all the lights and get the F out of here. Well, we go around together shutting everything off. Then as we get to the outer door to set the alarm, we can't because the alarm system says half the doors are open. Damn it, 
We're leaving, my boss said. And she would never ever leave the building without arming it. So I was very surprised, and as we drove out and around, we saw half the lights were on in the warehouse and a few in the office parts. We moved because we hadn't used the offices in years and it was expensive for leasing payments. That was the last time I set foot in that place, and after that I was really glad I never had to. And as it turns out, the weekend after that happened, the security company called my boss at night saying the alarm was going off. We had lost possession of it two days ago, so she said it's not her problem and to call the owner. I had never experienced something like this before and hope I never have to again. I was about 5 years old when my parents moved us out into this trailer on about 2 or 3 acres of land. My room was at the far end of the house next to my sister and was only about 20 yards away from the forest. Anyway, on a few nights I kept hearing a scratching sound, almost like nails on a chalkboard, so I woke up my dad, and he came in and verified that I was batshit crazy and went back to bed. This went on for about two or three weeks until one night I was listening to the scratching when it suddenly stopped and my toy chest started moving away from the wall. I ran down the hall and got my dad, and he reluctantly came to my room to check it out. When he flipped on the light, he saw a woman's head, looking like a crazy Gene Wilder, sticking through my wall where my toy chest used to be. She screamed at the top of her lungs, not like she was scared but like she was trying to scare him, and proceeded to pull at the trailer wall and try to crawl through the hole. He locked the door and called 911. The cops came out and arrested the woman who was stuck halfway in the wall and bleeding all over the place. She had apparently escaped from a mental facility four miles away and had decided to burrow into the house at night. I had just turned 22, and my parents had sold their house and purchased a place out in the country. On the property, there was a big shed not far from the house that I decided to turn into my place. Now I felt kind of uncomfortable in the shed sometimes, but my dog kept me company, so it wasn't so bad. Anyway, I had been in there maybe two weeks and one night I'm on the computer, my dog asleep at my feet, and I need to pee so I get up and go outside to piss. It's a beautiful clear night and the stars are incredible. Next thing I hear the shed door slam behind me. I turn immediately and try to open it, but it won't budge. Now from inside the shed, I can hear my dog start to growl, quietly at first, then louder. Now he's barking and I'm panicking trying to get the door open. I must mention that I'm 6 foot 5 and well built, play sports etc, but even ramming my full weight into the door won't open it and I'm really panicking now as my dog's barks turn into whines, then whimpering, then silence and with all my might I slam into the door and it flies open. The light is off inside now and it's pitch black. It won't turn back on and I'm in complete darkness. I can't see my dog anywhere and I stumble around trying to find a torch. Finally, I find it and pick it up and turn on my flashlight, but I wasn't prepared for what I'd see next. 
My dog had literally squashed itself into the furthest, darkest corner of the room, eyes closed, and was shaking violently. I immediately moved towards him, and as soon as I got within reach of him, he leapt at me into my arms and wouldn't move. I picked him up and I swear I've never run so fast in my goddamn life. I never stepped foot in that shed ever again, and my dog wouldn't even go near that part of the property. I don't know what happened in that shed that night, but I'll never forget it. I avoid sheds now. I'm not a cop, but my story is somewhat relevant. I recently started working as a security guard, and one of my first assignments was the graveyard shift at a new housing development outside of town. Over the course of the three nights I worked there, I had some pretty bizarre things happen. While doing my patrols through the neighborhood, I would often see people watching me from the upper windows of the vacant houses, but when I entered the house to investigate, they would be empty. One of the first things on my to-do list when I arrived on site was to go through the eight model homes next to the real estate office and turn off all the lights and TVs. The first night, this part went smoothly, but the following night, as I was making my way through the kitchen of the fourth house, I heard the light switch click, and all the lights in the kitchen went out. It wasn't a power surge or a blown breaker, as all the appliances were still on and all the little green lights underneath the light switches were still lit. A few minutes later, I heard another click, and the lights came back on, followed by the lights in the next house going out, but the TV remaining on. By the time I made my way to the next house, the lights were back on, but the TV was on standby, only possible by hitting the button on the front. As I was finishing up in the last house, I looked out the window and saw that the second and third houses were lit up again. On the third night, the light situation got weirder. The lights would either turn off or on in a room as I entered, and in one house, as I entered the kitchen, the hood light over the stove turned on. As I turned to look at it, I heard a series of clicks coming from the second floor as if someone were running through the house turning on the lights. When I went up there, sure enough, many of the lights I had turned off were back on. In another house, a desk lamp turned itself back on three times. Another lamp in the same house that had a dimmer slowly started lighting up right in front of me. Now, for the worst events, as I was walking past one of the construction sites, I saw what appeared to be a skunk walking behind the porta potty. When it walked back out, however, it looked more like a black shih tzu. It proceeded to change size, shape, and color several more times right in front of me, Doberman, Bloodhound, Tan Mastiff, and finally a yellow lab, before running off into the dark. I'm willing to concede all of these can either be chalked up to my mind slash eyes playing tricks or a timer gone haywire, I was assured there wasn't one, but this last one defies logical explanation. As I was walking Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Back to the office around 2.30, I glanced up at one of the houses. As I did... Something hit me in between my left peck and shoulder. Hard. Hard enough to stagger me. I weigh 250 pounds, so I'm not exactly small. It felt as if someone was walking in the opposite direction on the sidewalk and shoved their way past me. I have since asked my supervisors not to assign me to that site again. First off, I don't believe in ghosts or the supernatural, in any way, shape, or form. That said, I had a few very strange experiences working at the hospital. I have tons of stories about working at the hospital, but I'll post one of the strangest. If you want to hear more, let me know. I have dozens. The hospital was made up of several buildings, mostly from the mid-20th century. There was a large seven-story building with offices and accommodation for student nurses, Simpson Hall, a large central administration building with eight wings for patients and a forensic, criminally insane, unit, pretty building, a new building under construction to replace the old Victorian building, Mount Hope, a building with a gym, kitchen, dining room and swimming pool, Hugh Bell Building, two small outlying buildings for children and adolescents, POW and MCU, and then the old insane asylum, DeWolf Building, built in 1856, 20 ceilings, 200 pounds oak and steel doors, 18 to 24 thick walls, underground tunnels, everything you've ever thought an old Victorian insane asylum would be. When I first started working there, in 1992, My job was to go from the guard post in the Hugh Bell building, down into the basement, unlock the steel doors leading to the tunnel system, lock myself into the tunnel system, walk along to the DeWolf building, go through another set of steel gates, lock myself inside, walk the tunnel system to the end, and then go up in an elevator I called down using a special key. Then I'd go up to the fourth floor and walk through each floor, checking doors until I got to the main floor, where I'd walk out of the main entrance and back to the Hugh Bell building outside. 
I had to do this roughly every hour. In 1995, the building closed and patients were moved into the new Mount Hope building. Because the space was no longer being used and because the building was slated to be demolished in 1996, they didn't bother heating it. It had no power, and maintenance had been through and stripped it of things like light bulbs, etc. A lot of the old furniture was left in place as they had bought new furniture for the new building. One of the things that also happened was that they shut off power to the elevators and had all the phones removed. Now I know that every phone was removed because I was the guy who went through with the guy from the phone company in late summer and removed every single phone from the place. So it's the winter of 1995 and I'm working a back shift, 7 p.m., 7 a.m. I was a shift supervisor and had three guards on the ground with me and one locked in the forensic unit. At around 2 a.m., we got a call from the hospital operator saying that the police had called her to let her know they were getting calls from inside the DeWolf building. She had, of course, told them that was impossible and why not. They insisted that they were getting calls from inside the DeWolf building. So the four of us go into the building and each take a floor of the building and search it. Now it was the dead of winter and temperatures had been getting fairly low, 20 C or so, and there had been a pipe burst about a week before which maintenance had dealt with, interesting story there, too, but it had left two floors entirely coated in ice there was ice on everything that was about 3 inches thick and shadows were bouncing everywhere from the flashlights hitting ice. So we're walking through the building, checking every unit, every floor, eyeballing every empty phone jack. Nothing. We get back to the guard post and report that the building is empty. Ten minutes later, the operator calls back and says that there are more calls coming from DeWolf and the police are insisting we find the cause. So, back over we go. I was about ten away from the nursing station on a unit called N16 and the operator called to say that there was a call active right now coming from the N16 nursing station. I go rushing over to see and there's nothing in there. No person, no phone. I tell the operator where I am and there's nothing in there. She says that it's now coming from the N16 lounge, which is way down at the other end of the unit. So I go rushing down there and, again, nothing. Now it's coming from the N16 elevator phone, and this time it's not just dead air, but it sounds like someone talking with their hand over the phone. So I go rushing back down to the other end of the unit, this is a good 60 seconds or so of running big building, and I'm standing outside the closed, unpowered, elevator doors and she is saying that the calls are coming in every few seconds from the elevator I'm standing in front of. Then they stop. We all decide to wait inside the building, one person per floor, for a few minutes until we know things have stopped. We waited maybe 15 minutes, and as we started to leave, the phone calls started again. One more trip around the building and the same results. Eventually, we said we couldn't waste any more time on it and it must be a technical glitch. The operator puts in a call to the phone company and requests an engineer first thing the next morning. I was supposed to go home at 7 a.m., my last back shift, so I was starting four days off, 
but I stayed to meet the engineer because I was curious. The engineer said the lines had likely been reassigned and the calls were coming from real people wherever the lines had been put. So we go into the old building and check the junction box, and the engineer gets a puzzled look on his face. He hooks up some equipment and is talking back to someone at the phone company. He starts checking connections and numbers. Then we started walking around the building and plugging his phone into the jacks. It turned out that none of the lines had been reassigned and they were all live. Here's the strange part. That day, the engineer and the phone company killed all the lines. The phone calls continued off and on for two more weeks, and then stopped. We never did find out the cause. Not a cop, but had to respond to the call as an EMT. I'll start with the fact that this was up in the mountains, 8,000 feet altitude. This guy calls 911 and claims there is a snake in his hotel room, so we go to check it out with the fire crew. We show up to a guy freaking out saying there is a python loose in his room. Well after a few questions, he claims there is a piranha trying to escape from the python's mouth. But the spirits in the python's brain are telling the python that it can't let the piranha go. Okay, now we know something is wrong with this guy. We walk in the room to find a rolled up towel sticking out of the bathroom door door. The man had claimed he had trapped the python in the door and he was trying to let the piranha escape. We found acid and heroin inside of the rolled up towel. Dude was having a great time until the towel stole his drugs. More drug-induced than paranormal, but the dude thought his towel was possessed. <laughs>